This podcast is a production of Schweitzer, a United Methodist Church, transforming lives by making disciples of Jesus Christ. We are uh, talking these days about seeking. How do we seek God? And yet I think as I get older and as I journey with God, the more I realize that it's not so much me seeking God, but God is seeking me. God is seeking me out, and God is seeking you out. And so as we talk today about this whole idea of seeking, think about the ways in which God is seeking you and the ways that you've already experienced that. Last week we talked about the prophets. We talked about the importance of recognizing in Scripture centuries before Jesus arrives on the scene all these prophecies about this Savior that is to come. But we also talked about how these prophets still are around today and that, guess what, you and I need prophecies spoken into our life. We need words spoken into our life from God. And so when we talk today about Mary and Joseph, we're not just going to be talking about this one-time unique historical birth of Jesus, which it certainly was, but we're going to be talking about this idea that God wants to conceive things in us. God wants to bring forth this new life of Jesus in our life and that how that we can be spiritually pregnant too. Now guys, I know it's really kind of weird for you to think about you being pregnant today, but I'm a guy and I'm talking about it, so get over it. But God wants to conceive new life in us. God wants to bring forth life in us. There's embryonic cells of the Holy Spirit at work in our lives and hearts, and you and I get to cooperate with that. And we get to see what God is up to as we come to Jesus, we say yes to Jesus, and as we, we say, yes, Jesus, I'm in, game on. So today we're talking about Mary and Joseph. They've arrived at the Nativity, and we're going to be looking at their life and the Nativity that's on our altar table and also over at Renovate today. And this Nativity is going to build every week as new characters and new people arrive at the Nativity. But Mary and Joseph are there today, and uh, we're going to be looking at how Mary was conceived by the Holy Spirit, Jesus, and how she brought forth Jesus in her life, and how that she protects herself in her pregnancy, and how that we can learn to do the same in what God is doing in us. So how do you tell the world you're pregnant? You know, when our daughter Alexandra told uh, Susan and I the news a little over a year ago that she was expecting our first grandchild, Alexandra being the very creative type, she created this charade word game. And the word game was, uh, okay, things that you don't want to play catch with or things that uh, you can't wait to be delivered. And, you know, I'm, I'm sitting there, I, I haven't got a clue, and Susan's got it all figured out, of course. Uh, but how do you announce a pregnancy? How do you deal with that? Well, we can learn a lot from Mary and Joseph. Let's look at these words together, first from the Gospel of Luke, and I'm going to read these words through once, and then we're going to unpack them, this conversation that Mary has with Gabriel, the angel. In the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God to a city in Galilee named Nazareth, to a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph, of the house of David, and the virgin's name was Mary. And he came to her and said, Greetings, O favored one, the Lord is with you. 
But she was greatly troubled at the saying and tried to discern what sort of greeting this might be. And the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. And the Lord God will give to him the throne of his father David. And he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. And of his kingdom there will be no end. Mary said to the angel, How will this be, since I am a virgin? And the angel answered her, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore, the child to be born will be called Holy, the Son of God. And behold, your relative Elizabeth in her old age has also conceived a son. And this is the sixth month with her who was called barren. For nothing will be impossible with God. And Mary said, Behold, I am the Lord's, the servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. And the angel departed from her. And in those days, Mary arose and went with haste into the hill country to a town in Judah. And she entered the house of Zechariah and greeted Elizabeth. So let's look at this uh, story together. Let's look at this conversation more closely. And I invite you to look at your Pray, Study, Grow, the front of that, that kind of unpacks what this conversation is like. So Mary is first greeted with the words, Greetings, you who are favored by God. The Lord is with you. Can you imagine what this teenage girl is feeling or thinking at this time? And yet, what's the message that God has for each of us? Have you ever been uh, spoken to by an angel? I don't mean your sweetheart, I mean an angel. Well, if you have, you, you probably want to tell anybody about it. But how many of us have at least been spoken to from a messenger from God? Someone from God is speaking into our life. We have people that are speaking into our life. God's truth. Messengers from God. What's the message of God to you today? Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with you. Boy, if you're Catholic, you know that word. Hail Amanda, you are full of grace. You are favored by God. Hail Jason, you are full of grace. You are favored by God. Hail Matthew full of grace. You can drink your coffee while I say this. It's all right. <laughs> the Lord is with you. Hail Stephanie, full of grace. The Lord is with you. See, Jesus sees us not just simply as we are, but he sees who we can become, and he sees through the eyes of grace that we are blameless, that we are righteous, that we are good before God. See, the messengers from God speak into our life, not condemnation. But we get a vision and a grasp of who we are in God. This is not just for Mary. This is for you. This is for all of us. So as God speaks into Mary's life, uh, how does she respond? Well, she's greatly troubled and wondered what kind of greeting this may be. That, that makes sense, doesn't it? 
Mary's basically saying, what's up? So what is up with this? And there's something very unsettling, I think, when we begin to get a picture of who we are and God begins to show things about uh, what's, what's he up to and who he is calling us forth to be. That's, there's something very unsettling about that. What's up? That's a natural reaction. And how does Gabriel respond to that? Well, Gabriel says, do not be afraid. Do you know that there are 365 times in the Bible that either God or Jesus or an angel or a disciple of Jesus says to others, don't be afraid. Especially when God is working in our life, don't be afraid. Because we human beings, we, we get afraid. We get scared about things that we don't always understand or when God's up to something. It's a very natural reaction. But isn't it wonderful that the message is, okay, Mary, I know you're troubled, but don't be afraid. Um, says that to us. Don't be afraid. And again, you've found favor with God. God's grace is with you. You will conceive and give birth to a son, and you are to call him Jesus. Now, friends, uh, the, the, the conception of Jesus Christ and his birth was a unique historical event in this world, never to be repeated, and yet... The message of the gospel is that he is to be born in us, that there is a new life that has come forth in us, that we are an old person that once was like this, but we're a new person now with Christ, and that we are born anew. We are born from above. We are born again. There's this sense that what is happening to Mary also happens to us. What's next in the story? Well, Mary asked the question, how will this be? It's a natural reaction. And so as she asked the question, how will this be, what's she getting at? Well, uh, Mr. or Mrs. Angel, sir, whoever you are, uh, there's one little detail you've missed out on here. I, I'm a virgin. I've not been with a man, and I, I can't conceive. Uh, there's a resistance, I think, in each of our lives when God is wanting to bring forth something in us. You ever want to just say, no, God, uh, you've got the wrong person? The Bible's full of these stories of people that are great leaders are saying no to God at first. And God just basically says, get over it, get on with it. And, and God is very patient with Mary. I think it's because she's such a sweet, tender teenage girl. He goes easy on her. And Gabriel says these words, the Holy Spirit will come upon you. And the power of the Most High will overshadow you. For no word from God will ever fail. Nothing is impossible with God. The Holy Spirit's going to come on you. And the Holy Spirit comes on us. The Holy Spirit comes into our life and, and brings about the conception of the new birth, the new experience with God, this new person, this Jesus living and growing in us. This, this happens in us. How are we going to respond to that? Well, what happens next? Mary, I love this. Mary says, I am the Lord's servant. May your word to me be fulfilled. What's Mary saying? She's saying, I'm in, right? Game on. You ever said that to God? Okay, God, I'm in. Whatever you want to do, game on. That's exactly Mary's response. Is that your response in what God is up to in your life today? 
Game on, God. Whatever it is, I'm ready. And I love what Mary does next. Mary, she gets out of town. She gets up, she hurries to a town, and she greets her relative Elizabeth. And so Mary gets out of Dodge. That's an old expression, gun smoke. Most of you would not get that. Uh, she gets out of town. What, what would you do <laughs> if you're a teenage girl and you're pregnant? You'd get out of town, right? Not marry anybody. So where does she go? She goes to the one person who can understand. She goes to her relative Elizabeth, who is in her sixth month expecting John the Baptist, Jesus' cousin, okay? She goes to someone that will understand and will protect her and nurture her, and they will share the next three months together. Who's your Elizabeth in your life? When God is doing some new activity in your life, when God is conceiving something new in you and, and you're pregnant and you don't know who to share this with and you just can't announce it to the world, you've got to protect a pregnancy. You've got to nurture a pregnancy. Hopefully you find in Elizabeth you have someone that's farther along than you in the pregnancy or farther along on the journey that you can confide with because we just can't bring forth these new spiritual realities in our life alone. God never calls us to do it alone, but to be careful who we tell. Well, what's up with Joseph? We've got to look at Joseph just for a little bit. Joseph has got the supporting role. Poor Joseph, you know, he's not told by Mary, apparently, that she's pregnant. How can, he, how can she tell him? So she, he finds out, and we're going to read Joseph's reaction and his response to the work of God in his life and how they're going to respond to God together. In Matthew's gospel, we read these words, and now the birth of Jesus Christ took place in this way. When his mother, Mary, had been betrothed to Joseph, before they came together, she was found to be with child from the Holy Spirit. And her husband, Joseph, being a just man and unwilling to put her to shame, resolved to divorce her quietly. Let's talk just a moment about what's going on here. They were betrothed together. It's stronger than an engagement. They're under a legal contract. They're not living together, but they are as good as married, if you will. So much so that they're legally bound to each other. And Joseph thinks, as he hears the word that Mary is pregnant, that uh, she's been unfaithful. So his heart's crushed, right? You ever been there? His heart is crushed. Someone he's given his heart to, and she's been unfaithful. What do you do? Well, Joseph, in the flesh, and naturally and legally in those days, he could have even maybe had her stoned to death. But he certainly could have put her out in public disgrace. But the Bible says that Joseph was a just man. What does that mean? He was a righteous man. He was a good man. Joseph has got the goods on Mary. But what does he do with the goods? He goes easy on her. He decides he's going to put her away privately. He's not going to make this some kind of public disgrace. He's not going to create drama. You see, when we're really righteous, when we really have a good heart, we are not self-righteous. And we're not about the business of condemning someone or shaming them. We're about the business of protecting them even when they mess up. 
That is Joseph's spirit. That's what righteousness means in God's sight. I love this about Joseph. Little wonder this is why God chose this man to raise, to raise his son Jesus along with Mary. So what happens? Well, but as he considered these things, behold, the angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not fear that Mary is your, to take Mary as your wife, for that which is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had spoken by the prophet. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. The prophet Isaiah that we looked at last week said those words. When Joseph woke from asleep, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded him. He took his wife, but he knew her not until she had given birth to a son, and he called his name Jesus. So what's Joseph's response to the actions of God? He's obedient, right? He does just what he's told. He takes Mary to, as his wife. He trusts in this story. And Mary and Joseph go through all kinds of amazing sacrifice. It's not always an easy thing to have the favor of God on you. <laughs> the favor of God may mean that you're going to be called to make some great sacrifices. What great sacrifices this carpenter and this teenage girl did to bring Jesus into the world and to bring him up in the faith. So what's our response to this? What do you do when God is speaking into your life? What do you do with that? How do you respond? How do you know? I want to talk uh, just a little bit with you about some experiences I've had just as an example or examples or illustrations of how God's movement is at work in our lives too. The first thing I want to talk about is, is an experience I had as a kid. Now, I never had a dramatic conversion experience. I never had this great, wonderful testimony where you stand up and you say, man, I did all these awful things, and then God just amazingly saved me. I always feel like sometimes when I hear other people's testimony of how God changed their life, maybe I should have gone out and sinned a lot more than I did, you know, so I, my testimony would be more dramatic. I didn't have a dramatic conversion experience. But I remember as an eight-year-old child sitting in a church pew and the preacher was talking about what Jesus had done on the cross and the reality of the resurrection. I remember just beginning to cry as an eight-year-old kid in the church pew. There was nothing emotionally emotional going on around me, but something very emotional had touched my heart. And so I knew. I knew Christ. I knew in that moment who Jesus was, what he had done for me. And I knew. And I would say that it doesn't matter how it happens to you. That's not what's important. But there's a sense of I know. I know God is real. I know what Jesus did for me is real. I know this. And that's something that you, I, all of us can know, can experience.
Then I was a 20-year-old. Uh, I felt called into to the ministry to preach. And I talked last week, if you were here, about Reverend Faust, my pastor, who announced and spoke into my life, Robert is going to be a preacher. So he was a messenger. And then it took me about nine months to get, get it to where I knew and I had this really more dramatic experience at 2.30 in the morning as I was working as a night custodian in a hospital. I knelt down and I just said, God, I'm, I'm in. I'm yours. Now, you may not be called to be a preacher, but here's the deal. Vocation means calling. What is your calling? And vocation can certainly involve what you do to make money, to support your family, but it's more than that. It's a calling from God. And have you said to God, I'm in, game on, whatever you want to do? Have you given your vocation to God? Have you said to God, I'm in, game on? And that, that is a spiritual activity, and I think God's Spirit will bring us to that point. And you know what? We all have to say yes to that. We all have to come to say yes to that. If we don't say yes to that, then no wonder we, we get stuck spiritually and things get dead in our life. So have you said, I'm in? And then if you live long enough in life, uh, you know, you go through the midlife crazies. And uh, I went through the midlife crazies, and some people have different kinds of things that happen to them. But in midlife, you kind of go from the question, how am I doing? You know, am I doing good what I'm doing here? To why am I doing what I'm doing? And the things that used to satisfy you, they don't satisfy you anymore. And this can happen maybe at different times chronologically in one's spiritual life too. You don't have to be a midlife person to experience this. But but about 10 years ago, there was a sense of emptiness in me. I, I, I had done what I was doing. I was a pastor of a great church. Why should United Methodist Church? Why wouldn't I be happy? And yet there was a, a sense of um, I wasn't the person I needed to be. And through some experiences with, with God's Spirit, God's Holy Spirit, over the course of a couple of years, I became more of a born-again dad, if you will. I became a better father, I became a better husband, and I became a better pastor, and I would describe it as God's in me, where before, it wasn't that God wasn't with me, or I wasn't doing things for God, but, but in, the, in the last 10 years or so, there's been this sense of, okay, God, you are my strength. You are my salvation. What I do, I'm going to live out of your strength and who you are. God's in me. And then one final episode occurred about a couple years ago after I was getting out of uh, my sabbatical leave. I really felt very strongly that God spoke to me out of the Psalms. It says, uh, one generation shall declare the mighty works of God to another. And I began to focus more on young adults. And I know God was calling me specifically to put together a, a young adult guys group in my home. And this is the first young adult group that uh, was a part of that group. And there's been about four or five different groups that Susan and I have done together over the last several years. 
And Susan at this time was also being called by God in a separate episode to be more of a mother to young adults, not, not too paternalistic, hopefully, but, um, but this is our calling right now in the sense of a focus in our life. God was saying, this is what I want you to do next. And so what is God calling you to do next? <clears throat> What's next, God? What are you up to? What do you want to do next? You know, it's so easy for us to put off God. We may be a teenager, and we think, you know, I'm ready for some excitement and adventure with God. I'm going to do my own thing, and I'll check in with you, God, later. Or as a young adult, I'm pursuing a career, work my way through college. Or as a young parent, I've got my plate full enough. I don't have time for God to interrupt and complicate things more. Or in our mid-years mid or midlife years or when we're retiring, man, I want to kick back now and play some golf. You know, God understands all these things. God understands our need to kick back. God knows about adventure. He's calling us to adventure. God is calling us to this new life. And it's always about what's next. It's not like, okay, I'm done. <laughs> no, God, what's next? And God continuously speaks into our life as we go through life. No matter who we are and what age we are, we go through different chapters and seasons of life. And it's really important along the way to be able to say, okay, God, I'm in. Game on. So where are you this morning? What's, what's the spiritual activity going on in your life? Maybe it's just the embryonic cells of the Holy Spirit at work and you don't even know yet. But are you someone that's been born anew with God's Spirit? Have you had this experience of you know Christ? You know Christ as your Lord. You know Jesus as your Savior. And you've said yes to that. Have you done that? Have you been walking with God and God's putting this new thing out there and it's scary, but you've got to say with Mary, game on. I'm in. Are you uh, struggling a bit and you feel weak and tired and empty and you know you just can't do this on your own. And you invite the Holy Spirit in your life. and Live out of the strength that God gives. Whatever's going on, that next thing, are you, are you ready to say, I'm in. What's next, God? Let's do this together.